0: going to be talking about what would Jesus not do. As you remember the bracelets a few years ago, uh, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And uh, So uh, we've been talking about some things that Jesus would like to get rid of. Amen. I know you can't believe that in the church and amongst Christians there's some things Jesus would like to get rid of, but there are. Amen. And so we've talked uh, We talked about hypocrisy one week. Uh, we talked about uh, something else the next week can't remember. I've slept since then. Uh, but if you want to take your Bibles because our AV guy gone, we don't have the, the notes this morning so you're actually going to have to look it up in your Bible. I know that's such a such a pain. Some of you probably need to learn where your where your books in the Bible are so <laughs> consider this your lesson this morning all right so uh, take your phone, your iPad, yeah your, your real Bible, whatever you got there. let's start in Proverbs chapter 16 this morning. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18. all right and Probably most of you have heard this but uh, we need to hear it over and over again because today we're gonna talk about spiritual pride. Now, pride itself is a pretty bad problem, but spiritual pride is uh, an even worse problem. And actually, it's one of the things that Jesus got the most upset about. You know, Jesus had a lot of love and mercy and grace that he gave to most people, didn't he? You read about him in the Bible and he is showing love and mercy and grace. There was really only one group of people that he would get real upset with and that he didn't cut much slack and that was a group of people called the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they were very religious people they in fact uh, you could probably say everything we're going to talk about today has to do with the Pharisees and the Sadducees they were very religious they kept the law uh, they would be what most people would consider the good guy but in Jesus um, Preaching to them a lot of times, they were not the good guy, they were the bad guy. Because they let it go to their head and they had a lot of spiritual pride. Now before you get all holy and mighty on me, I'm going to submit to you today that we all have a little bit of Pharisee in us. Amen? We all have a little bit of Pharisee in us. Sometimes we get to thinking a little too highly of ourselves. Sometimes we're a little more impressed with ourselves than we should be. Sometimes we think we ought to get more recognition, more pats on the back. Sometimes we think... We're deserving of a lot more than what we get. And so I I submit to you and I'm talking to myself today, stepping on my own toes, that many times we have a lot of Pharisee in us. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, okay? So most of us have heard that before. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So in other words, before you get too pumped up about yourself, Before you get too impressed with yourself, understand this, that many times what follows pride is a fault. Many times what follows pride is we stumble off of that pedestal that we put ourselves on. Amen? So we need to understand that, all right? So uh, spiritual pride, I'm going to give you the definition, and I encourage you to write these things down if you would, or take notes in your phone, Uh, not because I've got anything great to say, but the Word of God has a lot of great stuff to say to us. Amen? So here's the definition for spiritual pride. A misplaced sense of worth or value. Did you get that? A misplaced sense of worth or value. In other words, here's where spiritual pride comes from. When I put all of my worth and value on me, how good did I do this week? Did I, did I read my Bible every day this week? Check the box. Uh, did I tithe? Did I give my 10%? Check the box. Uh, did, I, did I witness to the, at least one person this week? Check the box. In fact, many of you good Baptists know that it used to be we used to have envelopes in the Baptist church, and it had all the it had a whole box full of check boxes, and uh, and you would go through there and you would check the box on everything that you did that week if you're one of them old time Baptists like I am, amen. Uh, so uh, we literally used to take the envelope and check the box, amen, for all the things we did, and that's putting your worth or value on what you do. How did you follow the rules? Were you a good rule follower this week? Uh, Did you do the things that look real religious? Did you do the things that all the non-Christians will look at and say, well, aren't they a really good Christian? And that's misplacing our value. You see, what we need to understand is your worth and your value has nothing to do with you. Your worth and your value has to do with who do you belong to. Amen. And if you belong to Jesus Christ, that's where your value needs to be. Your value, my value needs to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not who you are. It's who you belong to. Amen. 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 So uh, that's good stuff. So here's the thing. And again, I'm preaching. Anytime you hear me preaching, uh, I am preaching to myself. I'm not one of those preachers that says, you need to look at me and you need to live like me and then you'll be perfect. Oh, that's a bad thing to do. That's some spiritual pride right there. Amen. Uh, I tell you all the time, I'm just like you. I'm made out of flesh and blood. I mess up every day. I struggle to do the right thing as opposed to the wrong thing. Don't put me up on a pedestal because I will fall right off of it. Amen. Uh, keep your eyes on Jesus, not on Mark Trammell. Amen. And I try. That's why when I preach, I try to give you the word. Because the opinion of Mark Trammell will change nothing. Do I have a lot of opinions? Yes. Do I like to give them? Yes. Will they change your life or do anything good for you? No. Amen. That's why I tell you a lot of times. I know everybody has an opinion. Amen. But, you know, the whole, there's only one opinion that matters, and that's God's opinion. Amen. And so we try to stick very close to that. Uh, one of the most loving things that a person can do is to look someone in the eye. everybody down there. Amen. Mm-hmm. Is to look someone in the eye and tell them the truth. What is a real friend? Many of us think a real friend is somebody who will always build me up and tell me the things I always want to hear. No. That's not a true friend. A real true friend is a person who will look you in the eye and tell you, "You're not doing right, or you're you're really messed up in this area. You need to you need to work on this area. You need to get this area straight." Amen. That's a true friend. Amen. Now you may want to punch him in the eyeball. Amen. But uh, but a true friend is somebody who is not afraid to tell you. That's when you know who your really close friends are. Not the ones who just tell you what you want to hear, right. but the ones who will be honest with you. And uh, that's that's where the you know, the Bible verse that talks about. Uh, that we need to uh, encourage one another, spur one another on, as iron sharpens iron. You remember that verse? Amen. That's what that's talking about. Uh, A true friend will sharpen you, will make you a better Christian, because they'll call you out when they see things in your life, because we all have blind spots. We all have areas in our life that we think we're fooling everybody, and guess what? I got bad news for you. You ain't fooling nobody. The the blind spots in your life, I'm going to give you bad news. Yes, I hear that amen over there. the blind spots in your life, everybody else can see them when you can't see them. Amen. It's true, isn't it? I mean, we think we're fooling everybody. And one day your wife comes up to you and says, you ain't fooling nobody. <laughs> you know, I know exactly what's going on. Amen. And so we think we're doing so good at, uh, at hiding things. We're doing so good at covering things up. And we're doing so good. Uh, but these blind spots come up on us and we don't see them. But everybody that lives with you, everybody that spends any time with you, everybody that's around you, sees those things, alright? So, let me tell you, we, you ain't fooling nobody. Number one, you ain't fooling God. Number two, you ain't fooling nobody, amen? Alright, so we're going to do a little story this morning, and we probably all heard this story, and it is in the book of Luke. So if you would take your Bible, your Bible app, whatever you got there, and turn with me to Luke, and it's in chapter 18. Luke 18. And it starts in verse 9, alright? And we're going to break this down verse by verse. So we're going to read each verse, and then I'm going to give you some points, alright? Now let me give you just a little bit of a a background here, alright? Jesus is uh, telling this story, and there's a group of people, and there's some Pharisees and Sadducees in the group. So the Lord has a great way sometimes of preaching a message, and you don't know that the Lord is preaching a message about you but he's preaching right at you, all right? And so there's some Pharisees and some Sadducees. And there's uh, the story is about two guys that go to the temple to pray. And two guys come in, and one is a Pharisee who we would normally think, okay, that's the good guy, because he's got all the robes on, he looks real religious, and he's going to stand up and pray. And then there's another guy that comes in to pray, and he is a tax collector. Everybody say, boo. 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 The tax collector is the bad guy in in most stories. He would be the mafia guy. He would be the guy that extorts money from people. He would be the guy that is dishonest and robbing people. So he would normally, in the story, be the bad guy. So if you would look at the story from a normal standpoint of view, you would say, okay, well, the Pharisee's the religious guy. He's the good guy. And the tax collector guy, he's the bad guy. All right? But guess what? Jesus don't ever do things the way you think he's going to do. He flips it. All right? So let's pick it up in verse nine, all right? Verse nine says this. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Again, a little bit of spiritual pride. Jesus addresses uh, those in the crowd who have a problem. It is when we have a confidence or trust in and have faith in ourselves rather than the one who saved us. When you put your confidence in yourself, Listen, this is a constant problem with preachers, and I can talk about them because I am one, all right? To be a preacher, you've got to have a little bit of ego. Brother Martin, am I right? Amen. You're standing up here. It's kind of an ego thing. You're on a stage. You're speaking to people. People are just listening to you, you know, for however however long you talk. They're hoping you talk shorter rather than longer. Uh, So there's a little bit of ego involved, all right? And so uh, as preachers and as worship leaders, you're constantly having to keep your ego in check. Because sometimes after you maybe you have a good Sunday, uh, you know, and, and this has happened to me all the time. You go and you lead worship or you preach, and man, it's just a great Sunday. The place was full, unlike today, there wasn't no snow, the blizzard of 2021 didn't show up, and the place is full. People respond, people get saved, you just felt like you were preaching on fire, and I mean it was just a great day. So you go home, and it's very easy to say, whoo, God, that's pretty good, wasn't it? You're pretty lucky to have me on your team, Lord. You know, that was just... i got to say, Lord, that was some pretty good preaching. Amen? And what you've done is you've crossed the line because the real power of what happened was the power of the Holy Spirit in the place. It was not the power of the preacher. The preacher should only be a vessel, and he needs to be full of the Holy Spirit. But it's a real fine line. You can cross that line real easy and say... Ooh, Lord, you are pretty lucky to have me on your team. Amen? And the Lord says, uh, I'm fixing to vote you on ahead and move you out of the way. Amen? Because the Lord don't need me. The Lord don't need you. He don't need any of us. Amen? The Lord can accomplish his will and his purpose. And if you're in the way and your pride's in the way, he will simply say, can you move out of the way? I'm going to use this one behind you because your head's all messed up and you ain't doing it for the right reasons. All right? So the Lord doesn't need us. He can accomplish whatever he needs to do. It is your honor, and your if, you, if the Lord is using you, keep it in check, because it is your honor and your privilege for the Lord to use you. If the Lord asks you to do something, don't tell him no. Is he your Lord and master? <laughs> Slaves don't have any say. Amen? Amen. So, all right, preaching to myself again. Pride causes us to look down on others. You know, I may look, uh, you know, I'm the preacher. I'm up here preaching. Uh, maybe look over here at Jared and say, you know, Jared's a good drummer, but he ain't no preacher. Amen? And so, uh, you know, you stay over there and do your drumming thing. That's why we keep you in a cage over here. Amen? You do your drumming thing over here, I'll do the preaching. Because the preaching is more important than the drumming. You're praying drums for Jesus. That's real cute But I'm preaching for Jesus. Amen? And so it's I can let that pride get on top of me, and I can use it to look down on. Amen. Now, listen, we all do it. Amen. We all do it in some way or another. Parents, sometimes parents are the worst. Did you see what their kids were doing? Oh my Lord, I would have slapped my kids sideways. Amen. They need to get their kids. in We all are the perfect parents when we're looking at how other parents are doing. Amen. And so we get very prideful sometimes. And why do we do that? Because it makes us feel better about ourselves, don't we? If I step on top of you to do something, I'm above you, but it makes me feel superior to you. That's a terrible thing, though, for me to have to step on top of you to make myself feel better by myself. And many times, you know where it comes out of? It comes out of great insecurity. And, And I would guarantee you, if you looked in this room right here today, you looked at the loudest person in the room. If you looked at the most boisterous person in the room, if you looked at the person who just talks all the time and talks the loudest and is always the center of attention, I will show you probably the most insecure person in the room. Preachers, yeah. you'd think preachers sometimes are the most secure people because man, they get in front of people and they, they you know they have to act like they know what they're talking about and uh, you know they have to act real secure. Listen, uh, the 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 one speaking in the room or the one that's at the center of the attention in the room is many times the most insecure person in the room. And we're, a lot of times it's a cover-up, trying to cover up our insecurities. So be very, very careful. Again, it's a fine line there, okay? All right. Pride causes us to look down on others, and it affects our relationship with Jesus Christ, and it affects our relationship with Jesus Christ. All right? Why do you say that, Mark? The Bible says this, that if you're not right with your brother or sister in Christ, then you're not right with me. Amen. That's why he says, if you're, if you're there and you bring your offering, leave your offering there, And go get yourself right with your brother and sister. Then come back. Don't even bother bringing the offering until you're right with your brother and sister in Christ. Amen. Because if you're not right with them, you're not right with me. That's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? Well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, you don't know what they said about me. It doesn't matter. Amen. Jesus Christ forgave you when you were unworthy. And then while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us, amen. Amen. And he says, in the same way, you should forgive others, amen. All right, verse 10, let's get into the story. This is Jesus talking. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other the tax collector, all right. So they're going to the temple to pray. They're walking into the visible presence of God. The Pharisee was well-respected. The Pharisee knew 613 Jewish laws and he Kept every single one of them. Um, He was most likely a pastor or at least, at the very least, a church leader. All right? So this would be like the most well-respected guy. This would be like the preacher walking in. All right? And so, man, he's the most respected guy. The tax collector walks in. And again, I told you he's like the mafia guy or he's like a corrupt politician. Uh, In fact, here's how much they distrusted. Here's how much they distrusted the tax collector. A tax collector could not go into the court and be a witness because they figured he couldn't tell the truth. That's pretty pitiful, isn't it? The tax oh tax collector, you calling tax collector a witness? No, can't use him because that guy ain't nothing but a liar. Lies only come out of his mouth. You cannot use him as a testimony in court. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Amen. This is what they thought of tax collectors. So uh, again, you're looking at good versus evil, but Jesus is fixing to flip the tables on us. All right. Verse eleven says this. He says, the Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself. God, I'm going to try to say it like he might have said it. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Extortioners. Who do you think he's looking at when he's praying that? That tax collector. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. He just literally just calls him out. So the Pharisee starts praying and what is he doing? He wants to step on the neck of the tax collector. He wants to make himself superior by stepping on the neck of the tax collector. Even calls him out by name. Lord, thank you that I'm not like this dirty piece of trash. Lord, thank you that I am a righteous person. I'm a religious person. I, Lord, I do everything you tell me to do. I keep all the laws. Did you know that the Pharisees had to memorize the first five books of the Bible? Have you looked at the first five books of the Bible? you know what I'm going I mean, these guys, if you could say, man, you got to work your way to heaven, you would say, those those guys right there, they have worked their way to heaven. I mean, memorize word by word the first five books. of the Bible. Go home and look at the first five books of the Bible. and yeah, that is a lot. Amen. So these were the religious of the religious. All right. All right. The Pharisees' prayer said, I follow all the rules. I do all the right things. I am good. I'm a good. I'm better than everyone else around me. Thank you, God, that I'm not like these other people. That was the Pharisee attitude. All right, I want to give you some things here. Spiritual pride falsely promises this. Self-sufficiency. I don't need anyone else. Self-importance. I am the most important. Self-exaltation. I am better than... And look at me. All right. Uh, I want to give you some lessons on spiritual pride. All right. When we are full of our, number one is this. And again, write these down if you would. This is really good. When we are full of ourselves, there's no room for God. You got that? When we are full of ourselves, there is no room for God. One of the prayers I try to pray every morning is, Lord, empty me of myself. Fill me with you because that's the only way to start the day is to say, Lord, less of me, more of you, amen. Amen. All right, Um, Jesus shows us a different way. All right, look in verses 13 and 14. It says, And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other man. Who's the other man? The Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled. And he who humbles himself shall be exalted. We need to all memorize that one right there. Amen? We need to memorize that and get it in our heart and our mind. Because what Jesus said is, That tax collector, he was praying from his heart, and he knew he was praying from a humble spot. Can you see the tax collector? It says he stood in the back of the room. He stood far off. He wouldn't come to the front like the Pharisee, and he wouldn't even come anywhere near the front. So if you can imagine the the tax collector standing in the back corner by the door as far away as he could get over there. And he didn't come forward, but he began to pray. And he wouldn't even lift his eyes up. He wouldn't even look at the people. He wouldn't even lift his eyes towards heaven. And he just beat his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Amen. Can I tell you one of the greatest qualities of a Christian, or what it should be? And it's going to sound real easy, but it's not real easy. Humility. Amen. And the reason it's humility is because we, we read it in Proverbs that The humble will be exalted. All right? The Lord Jesus Christ tells you the opposite way of all the rest of the world. The rest of the world says, you need to be strong. You need to walk in that room and you need to take charge. You need to take the bull by the horns. You need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You need to be strong and courageous in the Lord. And that's true. But uh, notice there's a qualifier on that. You need to be strong and courageous in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Not you. It ain't you. Because the minute you go in there and you try to fight your battles in your own strength, you're going to get whooped because the devil's a lot stronger than you by yourself. It's always in the Lord. All right? You need to be humble. I'm going to look at everyone one of and say Mark Shaw, you need to be humble. You know why? I know Mark Shaw. He's a rotten state sinner.
1: the center. Hey. <laughs> He's a with That's good. Amen.
0: Amen. Let me pick somebody even sweeter. Dale Cantlin, as sweet as you are. You are a rotten, stinking sinner, amen? Terry says, amen, amen, amen. I can look at everybody in here and look you in the eye and say, that's why we need to be humble. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve the blood of Jesus, amen? Amen. But he has come, and we need to be like that tax collector. Lord, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. Call yourself what you are. Again, we want to make all these words of, you know, well, they had an affair. That's, that's, a, that's a nice word for they had adultery. They cheated on their spouse, you know? Uh, we just, we've gotten really good at covering up sin and just saying, you know, well, we got, there's big sins, but then there's little sins. And you know what tends to be the little sins? Whichever ones I have a problem with. <laughs> now, your sins, those are big sins. My sins, they're the little ones. Oh, they're just like little white lies. Listen, we just need to start calling sin, sin. And just get back to calling sin, sin. And just really, and not, now, here's the thing. Most of you are going to take that and you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go tell my neighbor sin is <laughs> sin. And that's not what I meant. I mean, call sin, sin. Look in the mirror and call Amen. sin, sin. Amen? Amen? All right. All right. So 13, 14. So I'm going to give you two and three. I gave you one when we're full of ourselves, there's no room for God. Number two, when we empty ourselves, We're in the perfect position to be filled by God's grace. All right? When we empty ourselves, we're in the perfect position to be filled by God's grace. And then number three, when we empty ourselves, we are in the perfect position to be used by God. You see, here's the difference. Pride is about my glory. I want to be glorified. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with any of us wanting recognition. We all want the pat on the back. We all want the recognition. I get that. And and we deserve it. We all want that. And uh, we, you know, we, we all need to try to do that. You know, if somebody does something good, let's give them, you know, let's give them some recognition. Let's give them that pat on the back. But if if it's all about you and that's all you're doing it for, you are never going to be happy. You're never going to be satisfied. All right? Because pride is about me getting the glory. I want everybody to see what I did. I want everybody to recognize what I did, all right? But humility is about God getting all the glory. It's humbling myself and saying, I don't deserve any of it, all right? Now, I will will put this on the very end. There is such a thing as false pride. And be careful, because that's a real easy one to fall into. Uh, I mean, false humility, I'm sorry. There's such a thing as false humility. And that's that thing where you say, a man, you know, tell Miss Julie, Miss Julie, you just, you sounded like an angel this morning. Miss Julie, oh, well, you know. <laughs> you know, it's all to God, amen, it's all God's glory. But you can tell, Miss Julie, she just getting filled with that, amen, that's good. And Miss Julie does have the voice of an angel, amen. Uh, you know, but we can use that false humility. Sometimes it's best to just take a compliment and say, thank you, uh, man, I'm doing it for God. And sometimes we want to make this long, drawn-out thing when somebody gives us a compliment. Sometimes that can be false humility, all right? So just be humble. If somebody tells you you did a good job, say thank you. It was all God, amen. And just be done with it. Learn how to take a compliment. There's some people who don't know how to take a compliment either, and uh, sometimes that false humility comes in, all right? I uh, just want to throw that in on the end. The last scripture I'm going to give you, and we'll end with this, is in Matthew. So if you'll turn there with me. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 and it says this because here's the greatest reason of why you and I need to serve God humbly get the pride out of our lives and serve God humbly because there are people watching us can I say this to everybody in the room every one of you if you've called yourself a Christian in front of even just one person there are people watching you and watching your Christianity and watching how you act and react. And so here's why it's so important, because those people are watching you. Jesus said this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you. No, no Glorify your father in heaven. Amen. That's why it's so important to keep humble and understand that God is. Uh, needs to get all the glory Because people are watching you And the minute that that pride enters in And this is where a lot of people They look and they say ha, Look at that preacher He messed up See I told you that God's stuff wasn't real If a preacher messes up in his flesh Does that make the gospel not real? No, no Not so ever that, The problem with all of that is The person is looking at the wrong person Amen. That preacher is flesh and blood And full of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, as the Bible calls it. Amen? So don't ever put your eyes on a preacher. Let me be the first to say and raise my hand, catching it on video don't ever put your eyes on me. Amen? I tell you all the time don't even take what I say for gospel. Go home and look it up in the Bible yourself because the opinion of Mark Trammell doesn't matter squat. Getting real technical there. Amen. It doesn't matter squat. The only thing that matters is I want to give you the power of the word of God. And that's what matters. I, You must go home and feed yourself. My job is not to spoon feed you. My job is to preach at you. And then the Bible says that you go home and you study to show yourself approved. Because one day it's not going to be, you're not going to stand before Jesus and you're going to say, well, how'd your preacher do? How'd your preacher do? Did he feed you good? Well, all right, come on in. That's not what the question is going to be. The question is going to be, what did you do with my son? Did you know the gospel? Did you hear the gospel? Did you respond to the gospel? Were you responsible for your own Christianity and your own growth? That's what's going to be asked, amen. It's not going to have anything to do with preachers. So I love you, and I'm here to do you. Know, I don't want to be out of a job, uh, and, but, and our job is to come together. But what we do here on Sunday should just be the beginning of the week of what you're going to go and do and live out uh, all during the rest of the week. Amen. 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 All right. If you would, bow your head with me. And uh, I always want to end this way. I never want to leave without an opportunity for somebody to uh, give their heart and their life to the Lord or to recommit themselves to the Lord. So if you would say this morning, Brother Mark, I'm not sure if I'm in a right relationship with the Lord or I know I'm not in a right relationship with the Lord and I want to come back to the Lord. Or I want to give my heart to the Lord then uh, you pray this prayer with me if you would just mean this prayer in your heart and your mind just say dear Jesus I admit that I'm a sinner I humble myself to say that and I believe that you died on that cross for my sins and Lord I try, I'm tired of trying to live life my own way Lord I can't do it I need you I need a savior I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and save me from myself and be the Lord of my life. Now, every head still bowed, every eye closed. I just, I just want to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time or maybe as a recommitment, uh, would you just lift up hands so I could pray for you? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Father, we love you. Thank you for this one that raised their hand, God. And I just pray that, Lord, you would just move. Their heart and their mind and their life, Lord. I pray that this commitment, uh, Lord, that they made to you would be very real. And uh, if you're here this morning, you say, Brother Mark, pray for me. Pray for me to be more humble and to have less pride in my Christian walk. Would you just lift up a hand? Thank you for your honesty. Lord, you see these hands. Thank you for us being honest and real before you today. Lord, it is so hard sometimes uh, to, uh, to not let our pride get in the way. But Lord, May we always understand it is about you. You're our king, Lord. We're not walking around uh, God being in charge of anything. God, you, uh, you are our king. We are your slaves, and we submit our lives and our hearts to you. And we thank you for today. And, Lord, I pray that, God, you'd help us to eradicate spiritual pride out of our lives. Help us to be more like that tax collector and be full of humility and not be like that Pharisee, God. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless you.